You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. But somewhere where we need the reminder to be our best self because right. I, don't, I don't feel like Mrs. Noon needs a reminder to be nice. Yeah, I don't feel like she does self. either. <laughs> I feel like I need that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's good she hung yeah. it so that when I walk into her office, I can see it and it's behind her. <laughs> I feel like who art Ed? Who art Ed? Mr. Wood, art Ed, me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. Okay, so welcome. Today I am talking with Mrs. Pradel about a local artist and, and someone you actually know personally. Yes, uh, I do. Bobby Sear, C-Y-R, but pronounced Sear, correct? Mm-hmm. Now for our in C2 segment. It just gives us some context. It's about the artist and where this came from. Where this all came from. She does really interesting prints um, using a little bit of a watercolor technique, but also that handmade lettering that is so popular right now. Um, I see this, like, what I like about this and the reason I'm really glad you brought this into me is because it feels contemporary, not just because of the fact that obviously she is a contemporary artist still, you know, living and working amongst us and making art today, but it's a style that I feel like I see in Pinterest and Instagram, you know, that, that calligraphy is having a moment right now. People are loving a lot of that hand-done lettering on different artworks. We're seeing it all over the place right now. I actually think it even stems from the big um, journaling craze right now. People are doing journals and lettering and illustrating their day. Um, and I think it stems a lot from the therapeutic coloring books. It does. And and that is another wonderful trend that we have seen, I'd say probably the last 10 years or so is when I've, at least when I became really aware of like the adult coloring books outside of my, outside of my like learning about art therapy, but like just right. in the, ev- out in the wild, in the everyday <laughs> um, people using the adult coloring books. But it is very soothing to be making that stuff and to be doing stuff hand done. It's very satisfying to see someone doing right. that so well. Like I, I actually can watch videos of like artists making their work, just seeing the lettering 
being formed or to watch like you ever see someone like sculpting on a wheel it's like yeah. oh it's so satisfying to see those minor minor little movements have such a big impact on the clay that's right um i have like half my students want to just stand around and watch me cut through the clay bricks with the the wires and stuff like that there is something about that though the clean cut with the wire i know like i say it's very yeah. satisfying to see that stuff people that churn wood yes blow glass yeah it's like something out of nothing it is and and you said and and that therapeutic element you said was very much impactful on her her artwork is i always like to start by talking about the context and in today's in today's world we see a lot of people appreciating the handmade and i think part of the like i think part of the reason for that and this is just me speculating wildly with absolutely zero research to back it up. <laughs> but the world seems to be changing at a faster pace, like every, like an increasingly fast pace, like it's exponential growth and That's change. That's true. And I think there's and, some research on it. And I think, you know, I have read a long, long time ago that in times of upheaval, people tend to gravitate more towards art that feels stable. And so in times of great tumult and chaos, people tend to gravitate towards, um, like music, we, we find right. that a more predictable uh, verse, chorus, verse structure and, and time signature and everything seems to become more popular. And, you know, the, the indie experimental stuff is less popular in times of, of sort of more chaotic things. And I think that general appreciation of the handmade, satisfying calligraphy, the watercolors, like we're seeing all of that stuff really having a moment, just like, you know, in other design trends, we're seeing more appreciation for craftsman style in our homes with the butcher block coming back, farmhouse sinks coming back. And we see like her artwork, it has a very positive and stable message that's comforting. That's true. And I think um, in times of turmoil, you like the things that are predictable. Yeah. Because there's so much that's unpredictable that you fall back on that. And I think the therapeutic aspect, if you can find something yeah. that relaxes you, is a gift to yourself, really. Yeah. And thank you for finding a way to take what I was grasping <laughs> at and, like, distill it down to a thread that people can actually follow, <laughs> you know. But I, I do think, and and it's not just, like, tumult and chaos, because, like, as as chaotic as the world seems in a lot of ways, if you follow the news, it's actually the safest time in, in human history that we've ever had. You know what I'm saying? The message is different but, that sent, though. Yeah. But but the, the other thing is, like, just the rate of change, positive or negative. Like, we have, you know, learning machines in our homes now. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that was not a thing even just 10 years ago. You can start your dinner with your phone. Yeah, I, and... And all of that, you can unlock your home from uh, your phone. Right. And, you know, you can turn on surveillance cameras to see what your dog's doing while you're away, which is delightful in some aspects. But it is also just a shift in the way that we live our lives. Right. And so when you and I think that's why in this moment, 
there is such a rise and surge in the artisanal, the handmade, the handcrafted, um, and the appreciation for those older and, and, you know, older sometimes has such a derogatory context. The more traditional and sort of timeless elements of art and craftsmanship. And it is satisfying to see that. And there's an appreciation for that. So there's something super special about knowing that somebody took time and made it with their hands. Yeah. You see it a lot of places, too. Um, I know people are really drawn to craftsman-style homes now. Oh, but yeah. But it's the craftsman style is all that feeling of handmade. Yeah. And, and you know, it leads me... It's it's actually building perfectly off our last episode because we were talking about the crafts, the arts and crafts movement in, in um, Carl Larson's work and the skepticism of technology, um, partially because you know wallpaper was killing people back then. But <laughs> they well, they made it with arsenic. They had it like didn't work out well. No, doesn't work out well. But yeah, William Morris thought it was fine. Don't worry about the arsenic. There's a lot of things we thought were fine. I know. Asbestos ceiling tiles. Lead in Yeah, lead in the paint. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Now for our in-gallery segment, we're going to have a discussion looking more carefully at one piece. So I always like to start off, when we look at a work of art, the same way we read anything. Just first, what do you see? What stands out? What, like, literally what's in front of you? I see first the background. It's got a purple and blue sort of watercolor background. And it's almost in the shape of a heart to me. It is almost in the shape of a heart, although honestly to me, the connection I didn't have was with a heart. It feels to me like just those gas clouds in outer space. Like it feels to me like the kind of thing you'd see in the Hubble Space Telescope. And I do see this sort of large watercolor um, background taking up, what, 50, 70% of that, that negative space. And it feels like it's growing organically out of an open book. We see the spine of the book, we see the, the pages curling out, and we see between the, the like, basically the pages that are 
it is open to, we see it the watercolor shape tapers off as if it is growing out of that book. And um, we see some interesting paint splatters going out from, from there in the remaining negative space. And we see bright, not really bright, but like bold lettering that says, live a good story. And it has that feel of handmade calligraphy. Um, we see different weights of line, different thicknesses of the lines in the, the letters as it goes. And so like after identifying literally what do we see here, I see the connection between the word story and the book, obviously. Um, but then I start to think of other abs- like other sort of connections that are a little bit less obvious. Like I always think live, life is messy. And to me, that that technique of having the paint splatters Mm -hmm. around, it's not neatly contained, you know? Um, And and it's living, it's growing out of the book. It's not confined to the pages. And so I think in, in that way, sort of the form of the design and the words that are literally there I, I see that connection that unifies it, that brings those different elements of the text and the image together for me. And I think that's effective in visual communication. You know. That's that's actually a really neat perspective on it. And as you were explaining that, I think about all of those splatters coming out of the center part of it. And I think, you know, little pieces of us touch everyone around us. Like butterfly effect type thing. Sort the of, little yeah. things that we do touch others. And and there's the splatters reaching yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is it so is true. It is branching out. And I, I also like the color scheme, the way that it's, um, it's that nice sort of teal and purple and blue. It's, it's an analogous color scheme. It's all cool colors. I feel like uh, towards the top, the, the purples and the dark blues behind live, it, a little lower contrast than I would have necessarily chosen myself. I kind of wish it would just like just the slightest bit lighter in that area. To make it pop a little um, more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of my nitpicky critique of stuff is just because I don't want it to, I, I can't make this just, oh, it's great. <laughs> you know, I always have to find something wrong with everything. That's okay. Finding fault in others makes me feel better about myself. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monster. What? You didn't know that? And if you look at it, we're only in the middle of the story. We're always only in the middle of the story. I know, because half the book is still not written yeah. in the picture, so that's cool. That is cool. That is, and, and that's the kind of thing that it's one of those detail things that I think separates a person who is a very strong artist from somebody who is just playing around with it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. she obviously has put that thought into the details of not just, well, it's a book, but where should the book be? And the book is not centered in the image. I like the fact that it it is, um, you know, a little bit off center. It's not just on the bottom sort of like third, give or take. It is a little bit to the right. There's a little bit of a slope to the spine of the book, which creates a sense of movement. Um, Like if that book were centered and laying flat and it were a symmetrical design, it would, it would feel too static, too sedentary. 
You know what I mean? Um, and since this is something that kids listen to, I should say sedentary means sort of sitting still and not moving. Um, it feels to me like the pages are flapping. Yeah. Because when of, I look at well, because they're not together. Right. It's not like the way that I would typically do a cartoon book where it's like the shape of the pages and then just lines inside. Each each page is an individual brush stroke that is that is generated, which creates a little bit more movement and, and difference between them. I'm always amazed at all the thought that goes into it because you can just look at a piece and just go, yeah, it's a nice piece. But when you really read it. Yeah. There's just so much that goes into it. That's what fascinates me about artists and people that find talents. I forgot one thing. Hmm. I always ask. Yeah. Where does this piece belong? Where does it go? Yeah. It's in Laura Noon's office. <laughs> Such an easy answer because you commissioned it. But it could hang anywhere. I would hang that piece in my foyer. Yeah. And, you know, for my family, remember, you're writing your story every day. Yeah. I mean, I just love the theme, and that's what drew me to even think about having it done. But it was done yeah. <laughs> for her office or home, but she has it above her desk, so anybody that comes in can see it. See, I feel like it should be in a library. Live a good story. Put down the books, nerds. Go live a good story. Don't just read about it. I feel like it. I feel like I should explain that was being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> Joking. But I feel like putting it in a library is too predictable. Like no, I I, I was yeah, joking with that just because it, you know I I like to say horrible things. Um, I appreciate that you understand when I'm joking yeah. because so many children just think I'm a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I to me this feels like it should be more like. Like, I want to see this out in a public space. Like, I want to see something like that out. Like, when we see something that encourages us to be our best selves, I kind of want to see that where people are less inclined to be their best self. I want to see that, like... High school floor? (laughs) Like, when you walk in, right on the floor, live your good story today. I want to see this, like, under an overpass, I want to see this like oh, be cool. out, out, out in a park, like uh, you, yes, like graffiti. Like I want to see something that it like like this to me. I a word like a text artist that I I really like is Morley, and Morley is a graffiti artist, but he does stuff that a lot of times it's kind of funny. A lot of times it's, but a lot of times it's very uplifting. Like he's done pieces that just in big, bold letters, I promise you're more than just a waitress or it will get better. It just has to, or he, you know, we see like give up crossed out to get up, you know, putting something positive out there where people really need it. That's what I want to see. I want to see something like this. You're riding the train in the into street. the city, yes. and there it is on the side of a building to yes. remind you. Yeah. Hey, you get a choice today about your story. Yeah. And now for our in-studio segment. In-studio Think about what strategies are working. Take it. Good Make artists. it your own. Copy. Great artists. Steal. Just go ahead. Steal this art. Make it your own. These are the takeaways. This is what you can apply to your own work. So do you want to go first or shall I? You can go first. Okay. So the first thing that I would say, um, a lot of students don't really know how to make that good calligraphy, that hand lettering. And 
I see a lot of students try with markers and things like that, but to do it well, you need not your ordinary marker, which comes to a point. You want a chisel-tipped marker. Something. Uh, when I say the chisel-tipped markers, I'm talking about things that have that that flat edge. The flat wide edge. Yeah. Um, and you, you want to hold that at about a 45 degree angle, and that's the kind of thing that like older students will probably understand. The younger students probably wouldn't because this we're talking about visual arts in an audio medium. Right. That's great. <laughs> um, but if you hold it at about a 45 degree angle and consistently keep it at that 45 degree angle, that's what causes the line to shift from a thin line to a thicker line and get gradually, like depending on which direction it's moving. So you want that chisel tip, that wider edge and help held at about a 45 degree angle. So that would take a lot of practice. I know in primary grades, we're just working on the correct pencil grip to write letters. Um, But I have seen a lot of classes coming out about calligraphy classes, people. So there has to be an interest in it. Oh, there's a huge interest Right now. And I remember even doing my wedding invitations and trying to use a chisel. And I will say it was wider and thinner, but probably not where it was supposed to be. Yeah. And I feel I, like it takes a lot of practice. It does. And and especially like when you get really good at it and you're starting to use like the dip pens and stuff like that. I personally was not a fan of that because as a, as a lefty, uh, like oh, the way that it. I was holding it, it was, it was bananas to see. Like I, you know, kids would walk up and be like, it is painful to watch you do this and contort your arm. Like, cause it's like, you're doing this little hook around hook. everything, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, getting a good calligraphy marker, calligraphy pen with the chisel tip makes a big difference. So that's interesting. Do you think there are any calligraphy artists that are left-handed? Oh, certainly, certainly. Because they're um, so creative usually. Yeah. Well, the other, the other thing is, um, you know, you just got to find the right tools for you. Like I was, like in I was in a small, I was in a small school where just like, almost everybody was right-handed. They didn't really think about getting tools for lefties. So like I always had, and, so you and just this is, had to adapt. and this is again, a product of the age where it's like yeah. lefties had those terrible scissors that couldn't cut anything. Lefties had like, you know, the right-handed, uh, fountain pens that just like, you'll figure it out. And not know? enough space at the table because somebody's bumping into you. Yeah. Yeah. Arguably it was, the right-handed person didn't have enough space either. So correct. You know, we all lost out on that one. Um, another takeaway you'd like to share? Um, one of the takeaways for me would be um, just the process of creating the print. So um, when you paint the background, I wonder, like, how did she get the colors not to all bleed and turn brown? Yeah. Like mixing it. So, you know, and painting them separately or together, blending them, but then giving it time to dry before you go back and you do the lettering. That's a good point about how to, um, well, two good points in there. So first off, how to not get it to bleed and turn brown. You might remember I said it was an an analogous color scheme. An analogous color scheme is colors that are essentially next to each other in the rainbow. So like blue, green, purple, those are colors that are going to blend well together. The way it turns brown 
is when you mix opposite colors. So if it were blue and orange together in there, that's all going to bleed into like a brown or it's going to it's going to muddy up the colors. So if you stick to colors that are next to each other in the rainbow, that's going to keep um, that's going to keep things nice and bright and bold and, and looking good. Uh, the other thing you said was let it dry and then go in and do the lettering. Um, that's a really good point. I think it's, it's hard not to move on to the next step when you know where you want to go. But taking the time to do it right, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, right. if you if you don't have to remake the whole piece because the lettering, you know, smeared as it as it was going into the wet paint, working wet on wet is very difficult, especially when you're trying to get fine lines and details. Um, paint the background, let it dry. I would even go so far as to say I would make the lettering on a separate sheet of paper and then transfer it onto the painting. Because you don't want to have sketchy lines that show you're, you're, you're practicing and working it out on the composition. Um, because when you try to erase those sketches and stuff like it, it gets, it's harder. It's, you, have to, you have to do it right the first time. Well, the potential for ruining the piece yeah, becomes very high. Exactly. So a good strategy, if you want to add lettering on top of a painting and you know you got to do it right... What I would recommend is you make the lettering on a on a sheet of separate paper, separate sheet of paper. Then you cover the back of that paper with chalk, so that you can put it on top of your painting. And as you trace over the letters on that separate paper where you drew all the the words out, it the pressure of the pencil will push the chalk dust from the back of that paper onto the front of your painting. And then you can, you have that chalk guide that you're just tracing. And that chalk would clear off very easily. Yeah, that chalk wipes off. Chalk is erasable. A lot of people don't realize that, but chalk is erasable. And it, it brushes off. And, and the, the colors will, can even like mix into the pigments as you go, depending on what materials you're using. And that would make it that much more important to be but, sure it's completely dry. Yes, because even if you know how to do the calligraphy very well, mm -hmm. a lot of us get tripped up over the small stuff. Like, I'd spell my name wrong as I'm doing it on calligraphy. Oh, like, I, I, I might get the angle of the letters right, but I, I guarantee there'd be at least one careless mistake. So that's a really great tip to, to transfer it with chalk. Um, one of my other takeaways is less is more. I noticed that she didn't try to cover every single inch of the canvas with color. She used it in creative ways, but she didn't try to completely cover everything. And sometimes I have a hard time knowing when to say that's enough. You keep trying to add and add and add. Yeah, and, and building off that, what she's recognizing is that the negative space, the empty spaces around that painting has a function. Um, she utilized that space well. I would say she utilized the entire canvas. Really well. Really well. But util using the entire space is not the same as painting every inch of that space. 
um, realizing that the the blank spaces create contrast to to separate from like the overall painted spaces to leave room for those splatters. You need something else around it, and I think that is a, a good point: is balancing the positive and the negative space, utilizing the whole space, but not necessarily covering every space. Right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to to join me today. Thank you for having me. Um, I never know how to end this, so just podcast done. Until next time. Until next time, when I pretend I know what I'm talking about. It's not like I do this for a living or anything. Right. Man, can you imagine how bad it'd be if I had to explain about art professionally? Ugh.